Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The General Insurance presents Shower Ballads by Shaq. And I'm gonna keep on loving you. Cause it's the only thing I wanna do. Turns out, everyone does sound better in the shower. And it turns out, The General is a quality insurance company that's been saving people money for nearly 60 years. For a great low rate and nearly 60 years of quality coverage, make the right call and go with The General. The General Auto Insurance Services, Inc. Insurance Agency, Nashville, Tennessee. Some restrictions apply. Welcome back into another edition of The Kickabout here on The Blue Room. I am your host, Rob Vera, joined by my co-host, Mark Mosey. Mark, wow. Um, I, 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 I struggle to find the words because it, with each passing week, it feels as if the conversation we've just had the previous week feels more and more irrelevant and out of date uh, because we, I feel like uh, ever since the season ended, we started a conversation about uh, or really, ever since Carlo Ancelotti uh, uh, bailed, I feel like we've we've had a conversation about the the, the manager as an idea, how much of the, man, the how much the manager matters in the grand scheme compared to the problems that Everton in particular have as a club. You know, we talked about the fact that I, I've gone from saying that I, I, I'm kind of. I'm not really that bothered by who the manager is because I always felt like, hey, you know, you could I mean, I don't want a terrible op- option, obviously, but I I thought, hey, there's probably a handful of very competent guys that could come in and do this job uh, if they're supported with the right players, with uh, better midfield options, more speed, you know, the things that every side in the Premier League need to to, to actually finish in a good place in the table. Um, and we've been through a really weird media cycle and a reporting cycle that has gone back and forth on the favorites. We, we shifted from the reporting that seemed to suggest that Nuno Espirito, Nuno Espirito Santo, it won't matter because I'm not going to have to learn to, learn to say his name after this, I guess. But uh, we've, we've gone from thinking Nuno was definitely getting the job to 
suddenly this creep of and the discussion of how underwhelmed or whelmed we were by that appointment uh, compared to some of the other options like Graham Potter and what have you. I mean, ultimately, we have now landed in a place, Mark, where as of today and of this recording, it is about it's roughly a little before 720 British Standard Time. It's a little after lunchtime here in lovely Oklahoma City, America. I am actually staring down the barrel along with the rest of you at Rafa Benitez becoming our manager. Um, I I know that nothing is officially broken to confirm, you know, confirm, confirm it yet, but that's the way the wind seems to be blowing. Um, we are not ITKs uh, in the know type people, obviously, but we hear the same things that everyone else does. We read the same things that, that most of you do. Um, and that seems to be the direction it is going in. And I've now, Mark, shifted from the reasonable debates about uh, manager A versus manager B and f- footballing philosophies and strengths of, of ideas and man management skills to going to a much different darker place because not only is it Rafa Benitez who is who would be the first man former Liverpool manager ever hired in this position but it is a choice that represents a much deeper level of dysfunction or maybe confirms a level of dysfunction at the club that none of us had quite maybe been fully willing to accept up to this point. Like you hear some people talk about, you know, it's, it's, it's bad and Marcel needs more power and all that. And we've had reasonable discussions about him having a greater role or what have you. But I think the reason I'm in such a dark place is not, and I know that, that our, I know that, that we're going to be classified as a bunch of bitter fans who just don't like this because he, he managed Liverpool, but it goes so far beyond that. It's, it's that he is so overwhelmingly unpopular with fans, with former Everton players who are in the media. I, 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 I think it is shockingly aggressive and um, it, it, almost seems, it almost seems like a malicious move on the part of Farhad Mashiri to intentionally alienate his fan base Right when we are about to break ground on a new stadium, when we are trying to get to a certain place as a club, when fan unity is going to, you know, or at least some semblance of fan unity is going to be important. Uh, there's the old expression about how sometimes 99 to 1 is is not actually a win for the 99. Um, it, it feels very much like this is a completely Farhad Mashiri driven decision that he is it's not like he's he's oblivious. He is aware of how divisive and unpopular this appointment is. And that almost seems to, it feels like, Mark, and I want your thoughts now, but it almost feels like that that's not a bug for him, that that's a feature. It's almost It, it almost feels like he's intentionally giving the middle finger to his own fan base with this appointment for reasons that I that to me seemed to be that he won a Champions League mm. f- 16 years ago 
you know, I I don't know what else to say. I mean, I know he's won he's won things a long time ago, but he isn't. He, you know, even if you you take the Liverpool context out of it, it's not like he's done a, done any kind of successful management work in in about a decade or so. And you know, if you were hiring this guy without, maybe if you were hiring someone with his resume without the Liverpool baggage, we might view we probably view this differently. Like, let's not let's not be let's not be totally obsequious. I mean, we, we know that there, that that's a big part of this reaction, but it's the fact that the owner is willing to go against every, almost, it seems like everyone else at the club, mm-hmm. his own fan base for reasons that I, like, I don't see the upside. And so Mark, I'm going to come to you on this buddy. Like what the hell is going on? What, what is the, Put on your little Farhad hat, uh, whatever a Farhad hat looks like, and tell me what is the upside here? Because the upside seems extremely low because it's going to only take a few losses in a row before the hashtag agent Rafa shouts are out and the just the, the vitriol and poison of an already contentious atmosphere at Goodison will be ramped up to an 11. So, how did we get here? And, and, what do you think is going to happen when and if this appointment is made? Well, first of all, Rob, I'm going to speak for our listeners and say that we know what you're doing. And if you think, Rob Vera, that you can detract from Yerry Mina's own goal with <laughs> Everton chat, then <laughs> we, we, the intelligent listener, will not be fooled. He's your player. Own it. <laughs> you son. You, uh, first of all, you son of a bitch. Second <laughs> of all, um, you know we, we can talk about like <laughs> we can talk about that later. Um, no, Yeri, Yeri, yeah. That was the funny thing about that game, and let's let, we're, we're going to get back to the real point here in a second. Um, Yeri actually was awesome in that game and was a threat to in the box for Columbia and did everything right. And then, you know, it was just a weird like sequence of bounces. It bounced like off his chest and went in and it was dumb, but whatever. It's an own goal in a international tournament that I'm not going to care about much when it's over here in a few weeks. So whatever. Um, yeah. Having said that, I am looking forward to the Richarlison versus Yeri confrontation tonight. Like that'll be, a really fascinating watch, uh, you know, on many levels. But uh, yeah. So, anyway, um, Mark, what do we make of this whole Rafa thing? <laughs> unfortunately, those lads have to come back and, and play for Everton, as you say. Um, do they? Yeah. Because I, I, I think Richarlison is playing out of his mind right now to get the fuck out of here, and I don't blame him. <laughs> if we're banging twenty thirty mil on, then we'll we'll go back to a podcast from a few weeks ago. But uh, I, I think first and foremost. I didn't think that we'd be doing this podcast again because I think we we'd kind of done this episode with Nuno Santo as you as you referenced in terms of he was going to be the guy that we were Spirito <laughs> Spirito Santo how dare you it don't, white, don't whitewash don't whitewash this man's name Mark Mosey for your own convenience he's <laughs> a relevant being now we all know this um, but yeah it's it, it's hard to consistently invest in a potential future when, as you say, it changes every every few days. And I think my my general feeling about, 
I mean, it, it looks like it's going to be Rafael Benitez, and I'm sure by the time that we we publish this podcast, that will have all definitely changed. But my my general feeling on him being here is that yes, from a footballing point of view, you've already referenced the fact that he he is essentially irrelevant in this sport generally at the moment because he, he really since since the the Liverpool Champions League win and obviously the success he had there we haven't really seen anything to entice us in as as football fans to say that this guy is gonna solve all of your problems and I think from a yeah probably more importantly for me is that I I've given up trying to assess potential or current event managers based on football and expertise or where we are in the league or any of that because we're essentially the most boringly average team going and all all I really want to extract from a new era or a new hierarchy now in terms of manager is just some sense of enjoyment and and that 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 sounds like the football is totally irrelevant and of course it's not but I think certainly on the back of the 18 months that we've all had and, and the absence of certainly going to see Everton in person, I think we're all just ready to to like Everton again and really enjoy going the game and just have that level of investment that fans should have in their football team. And we we all know how this, not only how it ends, but how it starts. Because, Rob, if, if we get... If we get five points from the first five games and then we lose a couple on the bounce, we we all know where this is going in terms of the toxicity that will be held from even even fans right now who don't have that polar negative feeling about Rafael Benitez. You'll have it in seven or eight games if we're not doing well because, unfortunately, football fans as a collective – they they will all ultimately side to one end of of the spectrum, and and it will it will go against Rafael Benitez, and I think uh, some people use this as a, a positive spin on on the man and the character himself is that he won't actually care what Everton fans think of him, and to an extent that is that is occasionally healthy in a in a football manager. It, it's something that we all absolutely adored about Ronald Koeman, for example, in that. He had this ability to emotionally take himself away from the club itself and, and the fan base and, and what anyone from outside of his close circle thought. But th- there is a there is a slight obnoxiousness about that sort of feeling, isn't there? And so he, he always gives this kind of stubborn man impression, which, as I say, it, it, it's occasionally a healthy thing to, to stand by your principles in that sense. But the, the only way that that ends, unfortunately, in this current club and this current setup and, and the feelings that are already there before the appointment is made, is that you just drive people away and, and create hostility. And I mean, first of all, we're, we, we're shying away from even announcing this. I, I think that that says everything about the club's hesitation here, not only the fact that this has gone on for what I now assume is eight and a half months because that's what it feels like, but it, can you imagine the first <laughs> game of the season when everyone, I, I in particular point back to a, a, the day that we appointed David Moyes and we had that home game against Fulham. We scored after 30 seconds. He got announced onto the pitch. He was like, he, he was genuinely like a messiah. 
that someone will finally take us from seeing 16th place as an achievement to potentially better things in seven or eight years. It was a, an era that we all were buying into at such an early stage. And can you just imagine the awkwardness of Everton announcing Rafael Benitez onto the pitch before that first home game? And the the polite the polite applause no. from the 30% of people who are okay with him, the 10% of people who are delighted to have him there, and then just an absolute fire of hostility that will be aimed at him. And Rob, if, if Alan yeah. plays a pass out wide and it goes out of play, it'll be Rafael Benitez's fault within the first 20 minutes. Yeah. That, that's what I, that's what I keep. That's what mystifies me about all this is that the bar for him to be accepted by the fan base if it's even possible, which I, I think is possible, but it's such a narrow path. We'd literally have to be pushing for Champions League yeah. with this group for anyone to say this was a good idea, like to 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 concede it was a good idea. And even then, I'm not sure. I I I, I don't think that even finishing seventh or and getting in Europe would be enough for people to say was we could have done this with a, a bunch of dudes. Why did we have to hire this guy to do it? And that's, that's the part that makes so little sense is that Farah Mashiri has, it's, it's like you, you get jilted by the, by your hot girlfriend that you were in love with. And he was in love with Carlo. And I'm sure that Carlo represented the big shiny object that he got to show off to all his rich friends and be like, Hey, I got the most accomplished manager in the world to come play, you know, to come manage my club. And it's like that thing where suddenly that hot, that hot person leaves you and your reaction instead of, you know, taking a deep breath and, you know, spending some time with yourself and uh, reflecting on how you could, Maybe uh, you know, ch- you know, change some things, but also you know, figure out who you are as a person. You know, Everton, Everton don't ever seem to have that internal desire to you know for self reflection to say, "Huh, it's weird. Like we've lost another manager. What, why? What is it? What is it we think that we? What are we doing wrong here? What? What could we potentially do to maybe?" Uh, you know, be in a better place to succeed. Instead, we do that reactionary thing where you get dumped and you immediately hit the pub to get blit, you know, to get blitzed. And the first semi semi attractive person in your view, uh, especially if they happen to live locally, Mark, uh, even better. Um, it just becomes that you're like, Hey, you know, we've had a few beers and I feel like we click, you want to get married. Like it's, it's insane. It's so, it's so insane. And yet it happens. And I, I, I think that, you know, I, I just keep coming back to this idea that 
this sort of appointment when it's so overwhelmingly unpopular, like we talked about the fact that none of the managers that were going to be named after Carlo Ancelotti were going to have like a 90% support unless we'd gotten like a Pochettino or something like that, which was never going to happen. It was always going to be a bit divisive. Like I had resigned myself to it being Nuno and people being kind of like, you know, there being a segment of, of, of Everton, you know, footy nerd Twitter that was going to be unhappy that it wasn't Graham Potter and, oh, he's a little boring. But I think people would have been kind of normally underwhelmed mm-hmm. but would have given him a chance because we don't have any water under that bridge. But for Mashiri to be like, no, nah, I'd like to go with someone less accomplished than Nuno in the last 10 years and icing on the cake, he is loathed by a large percentage of my fans – that is the that is that's the actions of a megalomaniacal fucking insane person. I don't even know where to, you know, the ego it takes to do that, to be that openly hostile to your own fans, sets a table for this season that basically makes it it it, it puts Rafa Benitez like if you, let's say you feel for Rafa Benitez and you want to give him a chance. Um you can't reasonably argue that this is the scenario or use case or situation that provides him with any real opportunity to have any margin Mm. for error. So what's the point? Like I just, it's very much like when we hired Allard, like it's different than the Allardyce thing in that, you know, look, Allardyce was mid season. We were real or perceived. We thought we were in a relegation fight. You're building a new stadium and trying to get that approved. I, I get it. Okay. You're like, hey, look, I can't mess around with relegation. It's middle of the season. It's not going to be an easy time to find a good, perfect candidate, right? Just get Sam in here. You know, we'll sign him to an 18 month deal, but we all know he'll be gone by the end of the season, right? They've had time to think about this. They are going into a brand new season, a, you know, again, another season where they've got to decide who they are and who they want to keep and who they want to sign and all these things. And this is the conclusion that they've come to that feels to your point, Mark, like the, the, it's, it's the joke that we make about, you know, why, why <laughs> I'm already, you know, when they, when they start Gilfie and you're like, all right, I'm, I'm inevitably waiting for the, the 75 minute substitution to get him off the pitch when he hasn't done anything all game. Like we're all just going to be waiting for the other shoe to drop. I don't, I would be the only thing that would keep him here beyond six months is a, we're really successful or B Farhad Mashiri just doubles down so much. And that's what I fear here. And I don't know about you, but like, it's almost like he views all of this pushback as a challenge to his ego and he's just going to double down. Um, And, and it'll, it would probably then take us being truly relegation threatened for him to let go of Benitez at that point. I'm curious, Mark, like the the thing I want to hear when this appointment comes is I actually want to hear from Rafa Benitez because regardless of whether he has any credibility with me or whatever, like, you know, I don't hate him per se. I just think this is so tone deaf that it, that it, you know, beggars belief, but I want to hear why he thinks this is a good idea. Like we keep talking about why, what the fuck is Farhad Mashiri thinking, but what is, you can't just tell me, well, he lives locally and this is, you know, a short commute and that's the benefit for him. I mean, give me a break. Like he has to, to take this on, 
He's asking for this. Why? Why in the world when you are a you live in a city where you are a fucking legend to one of the clubs in the city? Why would you mess with that A and B walk into a situation where 80, 90% of the fans are gonna be against you full stop to start? Like what what is what is what do you think Rafa Benitez is thinking? And it can't just be money, surely, because he's got money. He went to China and did nothing there and, and has collected money. Like, what is the motivation? Yeah, the answer here is money. These two? Um, <laughs> hate to hate to to go totally against that philosophy, but yeah, the the answer is money. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I get your point. Um, for for me, the the Liverpool connection and connotations are meaningless. I don't. I don't care. I don't care what Liverpool did last season. I don't care what they did fifteen years ago and who led that particular success. Do not care. It's all recent performance in the footballing world related for me. And and quite frankly, we all know that Rafael Benitez has absolutely none. And I think that's. You mentioned Farhad Mashiri. I mean. Everything off the pitch at Everton at the moment gives me so much hope that he is not an absolute lunatic. Um, the, the the stadium work is is fantastic. Obviously, in terms of our our stance in the community, it's it's as fantastic as it ever has been. And and everything that is away from that hundred meters of grass is just perfect. But whenever he gets himself involved into this kind of loan operator mold that he seems to bury himself in a dark room and, and take hold of whenever a big decision needs to be made. We've we've already seen him get in touch with Jim White in the last couple of weeks to to drip feed information to talk sport as sort of some form of mental feeler operation that he's going for to just trying to d- dictate what all the fans think about his every move. I mean the way that we the way that we do things at this football club should not be done in this hip fire interview twelve people go for the worst one. It, we, we've always had that all, all of this thing that we spout about Everton being quite dignified and, and quite professional. That that this reeks of the exact opposite. And I know that you mentioned that about the the ninety nine versus one in this situation. Bizarrely, it's ninety eight versus two. And the, the other guy who is having a major involvement here, if you are to believe all of the reports, let's strip it down. As much as we want him to have an involvement at this football club, he absolutely doesn't. And that's Alicia Usmanov. And why? I mean, I, I get I'm going to have to put the massive asterisks out there is that this is all alleged. But for Usmanov to apparently have an involvement in appointing the manager of a football club that he has no actual official ties to other than sponsoring the place where we practice corners. H- how is that something that is being allowed? And I mean, you, you spoke about the the structure of the hierarchy. Uh, the one that we'll always go to when we talk about the structure of Everton's board and how we do things at a higher level is Marcel Brands. Penny for that guy's thoughts, because what... What his role is in any of this is beyond me. I quite, I, I, I honestly believe at this moment in time, he is just stepping straight away from this whole process. And he's probably got his feet up watching the Euros scouting players, which in a way is fantastic. But also, if you're going to appoint yourself to the board of the football club, 
you need to be heavily involved. And he he's the footballing man. I don't think any of us, when Farhad Mashiri took over, would have been happy in any sense of him having such a, a, a public stance and such a sway in these major footballing decisions because that's that's what you bring a director of football in to do. And selfish as it is from an Everton fan point of view, all you want Farhad Mashiri to do is just pump cash at Marcel Brands and say, go and do what you are good at. And occasionally that might step away from Marcel Brands and Mashiri will go and, and do what else he's good at. He'll, he'll do something in business and he'll go and get us a stadium. And, and all of that stuff is fantastic. But this just, it it's... It's a generator for total malaise from a fan like myself who, after 26 years of hopelessly following this football club, I don't care who the next manager is. I do not care in the slightest because, for, spoiler alert for 2024, whoever we appoint now will be gone by that point. That's just how modern football is. And I think what I am using this summer to to try and generate a, a new way of thinking about football in general, but in terms of football managers as well, is that this this romanticised ideology that we had about someone coming in and creating a legacy, it is dead. That they, they Those days are over. And yeah. I'd, I'd, first of all, we're not going to be at Chelsea because we're first and foremost not good enough. But if, if Everton took that philosophy right now to say we're going to, hit fire at managers, we're going to be ruthless, we're going to be cutthroat. If they don't have a good six months, we'll get rid, we'll go and get another one, and at some point it'll work. Part of me now thinks, yeah, all right, because we... we, we... Okay, well, by that rationale, Mark, uh, to go back to your Usmanov thing, is if, if Usmanov is part of, like, I, it's weird because there's a lot of smoke there that there that he has, even if not a formal ownership stake, that he has some yeah. influence. We'll just say influence, okay? Well, he either needs to, you know, for lack of a better expression, he's, he needs to either fucking shit or get off the pot. You know what I mean? Because... I am all for let's just be uh, Vladimir Putin FC. I'm fuck it. I'm cool with that. But if we're going to do it, then go all in. You can't be like right now. Everton are in the top half of the wealthiest clubs in the Premier League, but they are below a obviously the spending power of a city or a Chelsea or, you know, a United, even though they completely operate in debt constantly and they're just going to do that as long as, as they're, you know, they have the same owners, whatever. I mean, you know, they don't seem to care, but like either be that side or don't, but don't pretend that you're some club who quote does it the right way when really all of your actions seem to indicate that you want to, you want to be, more like a you know a Chelsea and just get a big just get get a name guy in or get get a guy in and and I'm with you like that's the thing about all this is that maybe you you've you've uncovered something Mark that I think is interesting I you could soften the blow of this whole Rafa Benitez thing if you said to me all right yes Rafa Benitez is going to be the manager but by the way Usmanov is now the majority shareholder in this thing and we're just going to go money whip you know, talent into this, into this club 
at a at a level and to a degree that we never have before. And that's just good. That's just going to be how it is. And we'll, you know what, eventually it'll work out because for all the the people who like to wag their finger at you and say that you can't just spend money and that's, that's on it. Well, yeah, but if you spend enough money for long enough, you're probably going to figure it out. I mean, you know, Chelsea is not a well, like no one would argue that they have a real healthy structure with an owner who constantly meddles and, and, the fact that they have, I don't know, 250 players on loan at any given time. Like, you know, but they just won Champions League. You know why? Because they spent gobs of money. And when the manager that they hired, who was the, quote, homegrown, more traditional vision, long-term, feel-good option, club legend type, didn't work, they just were like, ah, let's get rid of him and just go hire the biggest mercenary manager who will be there for about two years until we get sick of him and we'll hire someone else like either get get in the game or don't but don't do this thing you can't be one step in and one step out and maybe that's Everton's biggest problem is that they want to tell they want to act to fans like they are this club that is gonna have to do it the quote right way and if I hear the fucking right way anymore I'm gonna throw up because there is no one right way but when you have certain limitations financially, there is there are there are certainly a fewer set of options, if you will. OK, but we're we're trying to live in both worlds and we can't. And that's I think we've shown that we have just enough money to spend to be, quote, dangerous in the market, but not enough for it to actually make a difference, because ever since Farhad Mashiri started pumping his money in our best league finish is still seventh. I mean, <laughs> it's just like, which you know what? Some would argue that with the amount of money we spend, seventh is probably about right. And to, to get into the top six, you know, consistently, you're going to have to just start spending fuck you money. And, uh, you know, it, now granted, if we were a better run club like Leicester uh, or Spurs, well, Spurs aren't exactly a great example now, but, you know, like maybe you make another argument, but we're not. So we need to at some point just admit who we are, what we are, what we can and can't but do. But if you think, think about Leicester, Rob, so how, in, in terms of from a manager point of view, how, how did Leicester's title win come about? Was it going out and getting a manager who was in his mid-40s, early 50s, and saying, you know what, develop a 10-year plan, go and progress this club year on year. We want to see us move from what were the relegation zone. Everyone was talking about them going down that season. Get us into mid-table. Then we want to push on. We'll invest in you. Go and get us in the European places. We'll build from there. They, they, they like every other football club, consistently rolled the dice with their managerial appointments and one day they rolled it and it paid off and some sometimes you have those seasons yeah. where you go out and get a manager who essentially was what only there for i don't know three years ranieri potentially god they sacked him not long after winning it it's as soon as soon as you realize that this is how football is it will solve a lot of your sporting headaches because all these football clubs are doing is just throwing the dice every couple of years and hoping that at some point it's going to work for a 24-month period and then it'll actually tail off and then we'll start right. all again. And that it, 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 as I say, it's a totally unromantic view of how we all want 
progression to look like because we, we want it to be like a David Moyes era that ultimately led to Champions League and then he wins us the league and we have a great four or five year success period yeah. and then he rides off into the distance successful on his horse. It, it, it just doesn't work like that anymore. And we're, we're addicted to a romantic yeah. narrative that is fiction. It's, 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 it's not, not, it's not me saying that yeah. I think that Rafael Benitez is the correct gamble in this situation because I don't think he is at all. But do, does he come in this year right. and take that team of 11 players and give us a less enjoyable season than last year and finish in the bottom half? Then no, absolutely not for me. And and yes, that that is not. Everton finishing ninth and being slightly more enjoyable than last season is not progress. But the, there was always going to be this feeling after Carlo Ancelotti where, first of all, we don't know where to turn, um, both sporting-wise and emotionally. We all know that this was going to this was going to destroy us if it happened this summer. And it, it honestly left me now in that situation where I I just don't I, I can't bring myself to feel so strongly or so negatively about one particular man some of the some of the things i've heard in the last two to three weeks about the storms negativity that people have towards rafael benitez and and treating the fella as a villain i'll reiterate that i don't think he's the correct appointment for everton but for people to feel so strongly about a football manager whereby they couldn't possibly bring themselves to go to any more Everton matches. I mean, I know people like that. I just, knowing what this sport is now and the fickle nature of it, how can you possibly become that attack? I almost admire these people for being so staunch in their view. How, how, How can you possibly? Yeah. But let's see if they do it, though, Mark. I mean, everyone talks a big game about I'm I'm done, you know, and then they're never does, done. My my overall question here is how much does the manager actually matter? And I get that from a from a tactical point of view and from a style of play point of view, et cetera, et cetera. But if he's only going to be there for three or four years, then why why invest so heavily in the idea that he is the man? It, you just you're in time going to have to accept that the turnover of these guys is is so ridiculous that you can't you can't get so invested in one man that you'd be outraged if he leaves and you you can't have the opinion of Rafael Benitez that this is going to be an absolute disaster because for me Carlo Ancelotti taking Everton to tenth place is an absolute disaster and the the quicker yeah. That end of the season was an absolute disaster for me. The last half of the season was an, was a complete and utter failure. Absolutely. It shouldn't be like this, and I don't want it to be like this, but the quicker you become fickle about who the Everton manager is, the more healthier life you'll lead because it. I, I still, as much as we talk about Rafael Benitez coming in and, you know what, if he, if he gets, what, what do we say, five points from five games, loses a couple of games, the, the world <laughs> would explode. And I, I get it because... The, the whole precursor to this argument between manager and fans is already there. But if he comes in and wins four out of six, yeah. and then the seventh or eighth game, I haven't got the fixture list here, but if we win a big fixture in November on the back of a decent start, yeah. then all of this will go away. And it's the ability of Everton fans in particular to amplify this to the point whereby 
we polarize ourselves ridiculously. And I, do you know what? I get it. I, we all know what. Yeah, but we're unified on this, though. Aren't we? we know what Everton fans are like, <laughs> and they are, that we are so emotional about things like this. And, and the Liverpool connection is, in my mind, too important for some people. If 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 your your main argument against Rafael Benitez is that other than being average with Newcastle in the last ten years, he's not really done anything. I I am with you. It worries me. He's he's not done anything relative and and relevant in the last few years to inspire you to think that this is going to work. But some sometimes things like this just do work and 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 do come around positively. And I I, I haven't really made my mind up about whether that is possible. Is this your glass half full argument, Mark? I, I mean, it almost sounds. I was going to say it, <laughs> this is not something that I would ever side for, but I I, I would just plead with people to not quite be too horrendously downbeat about this because whether it's Nuno Ponto or Rafa Benitez yeah. coming in, we're all going to be pissed off in 18 months. We're all going to be bored. We're all going to want change. And this is Everton. Right. We we all made this choice. Like no one, no one ever promised you that the mediocrity of anywhere between fifth and twelfth and winning nothing was ever going to change. And I, I think I've, I've, I've kind of just got to this stage now where the, the next time that Everton win a trophy or surprise us in a positive manner, it won't be on the back of four or five years of really well thought out progress as yeah, incremental style. progress and systematic over time. And, yeah. and we've developed a 21-year-old player to lead the team with the armband, it's going to be a fucking fluke. It's going to be a stroke of luck where we have a great season. And you know yeah. what? We'll all absolutely love it. But for team, teams winning trophies wow. and finishing in the Champions League places, that's that's just how it's going to be. And it that, that, may, that may drive people away from sport forever, but it is, unfortunately, the reality of wearing an Everton shirt. And 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 it's we we don't like it, but you know, Viva Rafa. <laughs> Look, uh, in, I think Mark, what you're saying is just embrace yeah. the nihilism of this whole thing. None of this means anything anyway, and we we we're, we ought to be used to it by now. We ought to be used to be like, why is it even disappointment? Like I I, I pled with someone on uh, when I that I was talking to on Twitter about a week ago that like. You know, we we're mid table. I mean, that's just what we are, and we maybe need to get to a place where we can earn having more expectations than that. But maybe we just have to sort of accept who we are right now. Well, okay, I see. That's the kind of incendiary statement that everyone's going to be. Oh, I, why should we accept this? We're Everton. I I get it. We're Everton, aren't we? I get it, but. I think that it's not about accepting mediocrity. It's it's maybe to your point, and I think this is where I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down, Mark. It's that yes, there are the stories of the clubs that did quote did everything the right way, and eventually it paid off with the manager that had been there from the time they were in the fucking championship all the way through to qualifying for champion. I mean, I sure. 
But you're right. Like, I mean, Lester even is like the biggest fluke in the history of flukes, right? I mean, they, you look, it takes away nothing. They are the well-deserved champions of that 20, was 2016, 15, 16, 16, no, it was 16, 17 season, I believe. But let's be clear. They caught lightning in a bottle and lightning in a bottle doesn't mean just dumb luck. But what it means is a confluence of factors including things they had, including doors that they had to step through themselves in, in the form of opportunities were there. Sure. But it was a season where all the big clubs that normally compete at the top were a little bit down. I think Chelsea finished like 10th that season or something crazy. Um, and then you, and again, I could be wrong guys. I don't know shit about football. You should know that by now, but you know, like a confluence of those factors and the fact that they had developed, they had basically developed, they'd, they'd found a, a guy who basically was what, like a construction worker who became the best, one of the best strikers <laughs> in the history of the Premier League, who was perfect for this counterattacking style. And I should point out, Lester, I think, made it through the whole season without having really any injuries of any significance, right? Like, so yes, there is, like, it's going to, you know, Everton will break this hoodoo when we least expect it. Like, really, what a mediocre team last season to finally be the one to go to Anfield and win, right? Like, why? But we even benefited from their problems and, you know, we we overcame certain things and we won. But sometimes it's just going to be like that. Like, I think I have to embrace the nihilism of, like, having expectations for Everton is your own form of self-inflicted hell. Like if you choose to allow Everton to disappoint you, that's because it's your fault for having expectations anyway. Like you can say that we should have expectations for Everton. You're right. Like in a, in a just world, because I know, by the way, Mark, that we are the best fans in all of Premier League. We deserve to win more than any other fans. I mean, no one's better than us. No one's better than us. Why don't we get what we deserve ever? Why don't we ever get what we deserve? Well, fine. Having said that, um, we don't. We never do. And um, it'll. I think we ought to just like <laughs> – you know, the, the, the great Chico Azul of Twitter fame, who is, you know, in a group chat with me, um, he, he has made the point several times that once you let go of this, of this expectation that Everton should be this particular way and should win at this particular level, you can just enjoy them. You can just enjoy, Hey, this is my side. They're going to disappoint me more often than not, whatever. But to your point, Mark, maybe they'll just surprise us one of these days. Maybe we needed to literally hire a manager that everyone hates to truly unify the fan base. Maybe, maybe this is the type of manager that for whatever reason, you know, his tactics are boring, but like we talked about before, if, if he wins games one nil and then strings together a bunch of points, like mm-hmm. no one's going to give a shit. I won't. Um, now again, I don't expect any of that to happen necessarily, but maybe that's the whole problem is what, what, what have I been expecting? Like I've, you, you made the point Mark that all the fans are going through this really emotionally intense reaction, which should reach a crescendo once this announcement gets made. Right. I'm I've been through it like I have I have openly mused on the idea of could Everton do something to finally lose me as a fan. And while I think that there might be answers to that question, I don't necessarily know exactly what they are. I do feel like this feels almost a bridge too far for me, but 
at the same time, you're right. Like Everton's problems are so much bigger than any one manager, any person. I think what makes this hard for me is just that it reveals and confirms the dysfunction in the club. And I just, I'd rather it not be that way, but you're right. Like when you've got a setup in a league where there are no limits on how you can spend. And there's, I mean, let's be honest, there's no real regulation. Financial fair play doesn't exist. I come at me. I don't give a shit what any of you fuckers say that doesn't exist. <laughs> it's a, it's a myth. It is the Kaiser Sose of, of regulatory frameworks in sport. It is, it's, it's, it's whatever. You know, someday you're right. Like we'll 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 hit the right combination of players. They'll stay fit for a season. We'll get bounces that go our way, and maybe we'll get a trophy. And maybe that ought to be enough. I mean, I'm I hate that I'm now at the point, Mark, where I'm basically saying that the only way that this can mean anything for me is for me to admit that none of it means anything at all. And if I can do that, then maybe maybe I protect myself on some level. But you know, I, I like I, I see Lucian Luci Farver. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. It's just been uh, made the Palace manager, and I know how heartbroken and tear filled some of my friends are over the fact that Palace is getting him. But at the end of the day, Palace or Palace, they're probably still going to be about a mid table side, no matter who the manager is. But maybe they do slightly better than us. And at the end of the day, I still have to get up and go to work every day, and it, it's not going to affect yeah. my, my it, bottom line. So, oh, damn it, Mark. I just, I, this is such a weird, I'm going through every range of emotion here. I know it's just a big I'm, rant at this point. I, I don't want to, I, I don't, I, I don't know how to apply logic to Everton anymore because when I do, they never deliver. So I don't know. I, what the, I think that the way that I feel and talk about Everton, I, I don't advocate. It's, it, it's not a nice way to, to feel connected to a football club. But ultimately right now, I don't think many of us, many of us do really, but I think that there probably is that adding that layer of self-protection that, and and if if I can care slightly less about this, then maybe it won't hurt as much when when it happens. And and do you know what? There, there probably is a, a massive dose of that. But I think that the, the one major thing I'd agree with you on is that yeah. the the thing that is eternally more disappointing than Rafael Benitez managing Everton is the structure above him and how we've eventually gotten to that decision. And managers will, as we've said, they will come and go over two to four-year periods. But what you have on an entirely more long-term perspective is the board, Farhad Mashiri, the majority shareholders. The the way that we do things is a little bit championship for for my liking now. And all of this should be... We've got one of the, if you listen to anyone who talks about football hierarchy, is that they'll tell you that Everton have got a fantastic CEO, they've got a fantastic director of football, and they've got someone who's clearly willing to spend money at the top of the football club, which is Farhad Mishirian. All of these things are all of the pieces of a well-oiled machine, which should be very efficient in these chaotic situations. And I get that, you know, some managers are going to turn you down and there's going to be hiccups along the way. But for all of this to be played out in tabloid newspapers and for no one to really have an idea what is going on to the point where the owner's really rich mate has come in to have a little chat with, with any potential managers is just chaos. <laughs> and I, as you say, with regards to Alicia Usmanov, who 
I think all of us are now ready to to know the truth about what this fella actually means to Everton because where are the hurdles for him having a a major say and a, a position at this football club now because clearly that's the way it's been going for so long and the ties with Arsenal may well have have held that back in years gone by but what the fuck are we all doing now what what are we doing now it, is it just that he's got a free office available for interviews and he's letting us use it? Is is he incredibly invested in this? Is he a big player at Everton going forward? Just put your cards on the table because it's 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 tiring not knowing right. what is going on. And do you know what? It, I, would it change minds as you as you pointed to earlier, Robin? That if Rafael Benitez was appointed Everton manager this week, but on the same day, we said that Alicia Osmanov has bought into the football club. He's on the board. He's a shareholder. And our stadium costs have just been halved because all the steel is coming from him. And he's put £100 million into the squad as well. Then the, the last week starts to make sense in my eyes. And, and that it's probably the only, it's probably one of the <laughs> only situations where the last week does start to make any form of sense. But... You, you get the idea is that there has to be some form of reasoning about the process that Everton have, have gone through because quite honestly, from the outside looking in now, it all feels very, very scattergun. And I think that's what, in, in a summer that we'd all appreciated weeks and weeks ago, was going to be massive for this club. And it's obviously going to be disrupted by so many things and, and major international tournaments are, are very much at the forefront of that. But... It already feels as though we're going to be looking at October or November before we achieve any form of stability. And I think that that, that for Everton fans is incredibly unsettling because Carlo Ancelotti offered, if nothing else, stability. All the players would, would know where they stand. They were all developing this relationship. You get the impression that he pretty much had the pick of Europe to go and get the players that he felt were capable of taking this team on and and all semblance of a plan has just been lost and thrown in the shredder. And I think people are scared, and, and it, people people are worried about where this lands from an Everton point of view. And I think that that level of of hesitation, not only from the club itself, but the fact that we feel that level of hesitation as fans within us with every day that this goes on, that's what generates hostility towards a particular man. Uh, I think deep down, most Everton fans don't, I'd like to think anyway, don't really care about this this Liverpool connotation. And I, I get that it's a, a bit of an issue for, for a lot. It, is it, is it yeah, real? I don't know. I think people do. Well, let me put it this way, Mark. I think people do care about the Liverpool connotation, but I don't, I think it's an oversimplification to say that it's the only thing they care about. I think that it's one factor that makes it feel all the more icky you know like if we were just hiring a guy who had been a very underwhelming manager for the last 10 years people wouldn't like it but they'd be like all right I, I guess based on the longer term record and if things work out here we get the right players I could see this working it's just it's the reason that the term bridge too far comes into play is because it feels like one extra thing that makes you that kind of invalidates any sense of what the potential upside is. Now, I haven't said all of that. I, I, 
I think that maybe I'm arriving at a place where the people who are like, if you're, if you're scared, let me put it this way, guys. Like if you're scared of what could happen to Everton, I've got two questions for you. One, what have we, what has already not happened to us that, that, you know, like it's all we, I mean, we've been gut punched so many times. I would think we were kind of immune to it at this point. We've consistently disappointed. It's not like, is it going to get worse or is it just going to be a different brand of bad under a different manager and a different set of players, whatever? I don't know. The second answer to that would be, well, I'm afraid of relegation. And you know what? I think that the whole relegation thing is scary from the standpoint of the funding for the stadium depends probably largely on money we get from, from being in the premier league. I mean, I understand that part, but this is a weird thing to say, Mark, but like, I'm not scared of relegation. I, I sometimes I think that it could be the best thing that ever happened to this club to give it the true reset that it needs. Now I'm not saying that that's going to happen, I'm just simply saying that once you've made the decision, and again, I feel like I've almost arrived to this place in the course of this conversation with you, getting back to my embrace of nihilism, like what, there's nothing to be scared of. Like there's just, it can't get worse. And it's just, it is what it is. And we can be mad about it. And I know we will express our anger towards the owner, and, and I would also add that the owner has just made the fundamental decision, whether he likes it or not, that by appointing this man, he has now put the target on his own back. Now the protests are going to be like as much as everyone's like if he if he's if he if Mashiri is worried about um, if Mashiri is worried about there being protests against Rafa, I think he is miscalculating things. People won't like Rafa, but who they will protest is him. They'll protest Mashiri being the owner of the club. That's going to be the worst outcome and the toxic outcome of this if it comes to pass. Now, having said all of that, I I suppose that it was healthy for us to get all this out and to let 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 loose and let fly with all of this, but the announcement's coming, guys. I mean, based on all indications, the, unless there's some last second turn, this is what's happening. And so we all go through the stages of grief that include bargaining and denial and what have you. And at a certain point, you just get to acceptance. And, you know, at the end of the day, if that's what happens, we can't control it. Um, we, we can, the only thing we can really do is make it as uncomfortable as possible for the new manager and for Mashiri. Don't know some part of me thinks that is productive and the other part of me thinks that's really counterproductive. I don't know, but I, I'm just at the point now where if, if I was not, if I was looking at Rob Vera from the outside or Mark Mosey from the outside, the first question I'd be probably be asking after looking at us over the last 10 years would be like, why do you guys still have expectations of competency? What have they ever shown you? Sure. Like, no, seriously, like, like we're, we're mad about things that, you know, based on the way that they ought to be, but yet th- this club has not shown us on the footballing side of things for the last decade or so that they really are capable of real true competency in the way that at least that we want it. 
And if that's the case, I'm not saying to you guys that that shouldn't be the expectation. I'm not saying to you guys that you shouldn't be mad about it to a degree, but you probably have to let some of that go to keep your sanity because otherwise the, uh, the question you then have to ask yourself is why do I follow Everton at all? Like what is, what is, what is this doing for me and benefiting me in my life to continue to, to, to follow this, this, uh, you know, dying animal on its way to the grave. I mean, I don't know. I mean, but I think once you accept that, look, this is not going to be, this is, we're not going to achieve success in this storybook, um, conventional way that we all a competent way that, Every, you know, we, we have this perception that every other club is, is doing it so much better than we are when the, the reality is, is that there are plenty of other clubs as dysfunctional as Everton who, who aren't going to win either. We just are so tied to our history of being great that I think that we may need to ask ourselves, is, is, it, is it possible that maybe our lot in life is to support a club that's just going to be in the Premier League? And... They were once great, and it's great to celebrate that history. And I love the YouTube videos of the teams from the 80s, and I mean, that stuff's great. We aren't owed anything, and maybe that's been the biggest burden that so many of us have carried in terms of being angry. Like, I don't know about – I don't know. I'd like your answer to this, Mark, because I I always have to acknowledge my, quote, privilege as an – as you know, as much as I am a, as a blue to my core, you guys know how much I – fucking hurt for this club and how much it means to me. But I'm still someone who lives thousands of miles away. I am still someone for whom I do not have any familial connections historically to this club. So I, I recognize that it can be easy for me to say that, um, you know, to a degree, but you know what? Um, I mean, what, what, do I, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this, but like, do you think we deserve, like, what do we deserve? I mean, I think that's the thing is the crux at the crux of this angst is this feeling we deserve something we're not getting. And I'm not convinced we actually deserve this thing that we think that they, we're not getting. What, what we've got absolutely no right to talk about Everton with regards to is having, having ourselves on some form of platform, for expectancy and the the problem with having major investments is that money generates that level of excitement and there is an expectancy there as soon as you start throwing tens of millions of pounds around and this, this football club changed when we started spending that amount of money and i i don't necessarily mean in terms of its core values and or certainly how successful we were, because that, as a, as a reminder, guys, did not change. We are still very unsuccessful. Um, but in terms of in terms of the views that we have about this team as fans, I think it it, it changed in terms of it's it, it's not it's not that we've lost those sort of grassroots values that Everton in in the David Moyes years were were built on. In that, you know, it was. It was very much David against Goliath, and and anything that anything that we did manage to achieve, and any big wins against against your your big clubs at home or away or wherever it may be, it, it all seemed to matter that little bit more. But I don't know about you, Robert. Just uh, when when the, when the money came in, 
it, it, it it's making us it's making me sound like a properly ungrateful bastard because I, I want to see us go out and and sign fantastic players and, and build a fantastic team and I do think to a man we've we've got we've got a load of great footballers who going back years we wouldn't have been able to to have here but that when you when you go in that sort of modern day football path of of trying to do this with managers and and players and you know throwing money at all your problems and having high turnovers for literally everything at the football club, then it does create this this attitude of detachment in which I am talking right now in terms of not really caring too much about any individual aspect. And I think that what what generates the frustration that most of us have had is that we're, we're, we're bad and wealthy now as opposed to just bad. Uh, and I think that that... That irks fans when you when you you see a team like Man City do what they've done when when you when you aren't able to replicate that quickly and with with quick solutions to very obvious problems then this is the the level of angst that that grows within everyone and I, the expectation thing that you allude to is is an interesting one because I don't know about anyone else but I I'm I'm probably of the fortunate generation that never actually saw us win anything. Um god help people in their 50s and above who have who have seen Everton go through entire Premier League. Yeah. They saw it, at least as fantastic. They saw it. You cherish any title that your team wins, and you you don't expect the success more. Success of the past I mean, is can, a curse to these people now, and I I totally that. But uh, and, yeah. and maybe that's that they can't be apathetic for that reason because they've seen Everton succeed at the highest level, and and I, we've all we've all seen it, Goodison. And I I think that fans of that sort of age group have a, an expectancy of this club to to reach those heights again. And I, it, it, it sounds like I'm patting Everton entirely on the head here by saying that we shouldn't be aiming for those heights because obviously we should, but every football team in the league is aiming for those heights as well. And and as you say, Rob, I think with every passing year of irrelevance and not bringing some form of silverware home, we very quickly just merge into this massive mould that the Premier League is and any form of individuality that you think Everton are having and branding this nil satis flag around everywhere they go and, and saying that, you know, we're we're a we're a different animal to all of these other Premier League teams from a footballing point of view. It it's just it's it's just not there. And yeah. I, I'm having to stop myself from from speaking at times at the moment because I, I don't want to feel like this about Everton. And as you say, it 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 does generate this level of just bored about Everton, and it it that that's why I'm finding it hard to to really have a passion for a manager or a feeling towards any particular players. We we've spoken in recent yeah. weeks about just binning people like Richarlison and James Rodriguez off, and it it it's you do get to this point in if we're going back to the, the first Farhad Mashiri initial investment. Year by year, you may not see, you may not be able to look back at the season and say, "Fuck me, we we really we really came on this year." I can see where this is going, but if you if you were to, to take us back to <laughs> today's zero, at the five or six year point, you would expect 
some form of notable progress. And I, I think it, it's not because we're on the back of one particularly bad season that we're all feeling this level of, of anger and, and angst, but it's on the back of the six or seven seasons that have essentially got us nowhere. And I think that, that that's the overriding feeling that I have at the moment is that I'm kind of thinking, well, why why have we gone through all this? It, it, it just... Yeah. Well, but that's the other question too, though, Mark, is that you can be, and I am, and we all are, very disappointed in the quote, quote unquote output yeah. of the Mashiri years, right? What's the alternative? Like if we had... I mean, obviously, the alternative is we got a you know an owner who came in and just handed his money to the smartest guy in the room, and you know whatever. I, I know that, but I, I'm just saying that like we romanticize these Moya's years of you know because there's this kind of reflexive man. It was better when we didn't have money. Well, okay. I mean, if if you think finishing, and I know that he finished above seventh you know a couple times too but like like if if the alternative was the knowledge that we are always going to finish seventh but we're never going to get above that Mm -hmm. or we're never going to you know what i mean like uh, we never won any trophy i mean those years didn't amount to much you can say that they were very very consistent in terms of league placement they didn't amount to any trophies so it's sort of like i you know i i I think the difference then to your point is that back then we had the sense of we're smart. We buy players, we get good value. We do all these things. If only we had more money, that would solve everything. And we've learned that having more money only creates bigger swings and and bigger misses. And it, it creates expectations that, like we said, we have enough money now to spend more than we did and at a quote unquote competitive level. But when we say competitive level, what are we really talking about? We're not spending the amount of money that is going to get us to be competitive in the top three or four, really. I mean, we, I I was one of those who it does now don't get me wrong. I still think that when you're second in the table after boxing day, that you should reasonably expect that, Fourth, a fourth to sixth place finish is not some wild fantasy. Okay, we just we just choked. We blew it. We had some injuries, but really, it was a manager who was revealed to have no ideas, and a group of players who were didn't really seem to have any ideas themselves uh, and, and an ability to to rise above it. I mean, it, it just it was a lot of things, but I don't know. I I think that we we think we know what success looks like. I mean, I think we all agree. Success looks like winning a trophy. Success looks like finishing in a Champions League spot. The problem we have to get to the original point, and we can wrap this up soon because I, I know we've just about exhausted all of this because um, I know there's been an emotional journey. I, I think a lot of you listening to this, or if you've made it this far, are probably thinking, my God, they are all over yeah, yeah. But man, that's how we all are. I think we're all really asking ourselves some really hard questions right now. But, you know, I I, I think that, that we're at a stage of the club where, you know, there's not, there aren't just, we're so obsessed with getting to this desired goal in this very particular way. And I think what this is all teaching me is that a, the club has not shown us anything to indicate over the years, over the last several years that they 
have any idea about what that is anyway. And B, the idea that clubs, the, there's only one way to win and is through this incremental, perfect linear progression and a manager who, you know, every, they, every signing is good and nothing goes wrong. I mean, that's just, it's naive, right? I, I think that, I think that we need to, if it's going to be chaos, which it clearly is, and we, we almost have to sort of, I hate to say embrace the chaos, but we have to sort of accept that I don't like this, but there's nothing I can do about it. And therefore, what what is the path? And if it maybe it's that we have a very, you know, a very bang average, boring manager, but we happen to sign the right players or we sell this guy and buy two more that end up working and, and something clicks and we finally win like a Carabao Cup. Like I would take... I would I would be drunk for a week if we won the the league cup, Mark. I mean, I don't care. I just want to win something so that I can say that this was all worth it. I am I am now just like the discussion we had about the manager. Remember, a lot of people are very obsessed with the style of play. Well, we need to be a really high pressure, high pressing team. We need to be this ball retention, Graham Potter, beautiful football side, whatever. We made the point, you and I, several times that at the end of the day, we'll, you know, winning is fun, and I don't really care how we win but but if we can win that's fine i think to take that a step further as it as it regards the everton hierarchy and whatever yeah all likelihood you're not going to succeed with this sort of chaos but i the idea that there's only one way and that uh that there's that that even if we'd done all the right things like you know, in the Moyes years, there's this revisionist history that we did everything right and we just didn't have enough money. That's bullshit. We 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 blew money on players we shouldn't have. We just blew less at the time, but it represented more money because we had less money to spend. But I just think that I, I you almost have to accept that this is what Everton is right now. Adjust your expectations accordingly and mm-hmm. pour yourself a stiff drink and just deal with it because I don't know that you have a choice. And I can tell you honestly, guys, that I do care very much for your mental health. Don't wrap up too much of it in the fortunes of any football club, but much less this football. The point that I would make, Rob, is that that for the people who are so negative about any one particular man, I think the one thing that we could all agree on now is that on the back of the season that we've had and the time that we've had under Ancelotti, how can Ever- how can any Evertonian possibly know what the next uh, how how a potential manager would would perform next season or, or what positive progression looks like for this football club? Because we went and got one of the best managers in the world and had an utterly terrible season. And I guarantee now, if if Rafael Benitez had that season that Carlo Ancelotti has just had, the whole city would be on fire because it was was absolutely appalling yeah you said that you know what success looks like and that is winning trophies i don't think anyone knows what everton success looks like at the moment because there's there's no previous and as you say the next time this club does anything of relevance it will just be when all of the pieces kind of fit in together and i think as much as i say that the 80s is a curse now for a lot of evertonians I think that fans of of my age in particular, our curse is that collective unity that we had under David Moyes, not only for the team, but the entire group in general. It it very much felt like it was backs to the wall. We're all in it together. Every single time we scored a goal, it seemed to be amazing. 
every single time Tim Cale scored against United or Liverpool, it felt like the world was going to stop because we've done it. I can't believe that plucky Everton have managed to go and get that result. And as much as that is incredibly patronising to that whole era of, of the football club, that that that's the kind of feeling that that went out the window when things started to change, primarily from a from a financial point of view for Everton. And I don't know. I think I think emotionally we're all just a bit lost. Um, you you referenced it, Robin, that we're you'll you'll be able to yeah. tell in the way that we speak about everything about Everton at the moment, and that it's very hard to know where to put your front foot with with in particular with the managerial decision. And I think the the fact that I the fact that I can't fully endorse someone means that I'm struggling to get behind people who are who are ready to write someone off before it's even begun. Um and the the major the major thing I would say about Everton and, and the season coming up now is that I was ready to enjoy it. I, I was I was really ready to to get stuck into obviously going back to the game again. But also just to see an Everton team playing good free attacking football. Uh, do you know what? People talk about Roberto Martinez coming back in. I take him over Rafael Benitez just for a bit of excitement. So, it, it, and that—that's the major negativity that I have about Benitez is that I feel like I'm going to be bored in 12 months' time. And and I would I would take any yeah. form of excitement in this forthcoming season over a dull ninth place finish under Rafael Benitez, where we spend half the time arguing with each other about which bad Premier League manager will be better than Benitez in this situation. I don't I don't want it to be like that. And, and that is unfortunately where it's going. But at least we've had a at least we've had a, a little bit of, of football going on during the summer to try and detract away from the fact that we are not actually enhancing our squad in any way, which for me is a far more important decision than who manages us next season. And that's not that's not a downplay manager but the reality yeah. is that most of these players will be here way beyond whoever gets appointed Everton manager in the coming weeks Well guys with that I think we can wrap it up thank you for going on this emotional roller coaster journey with us I think we're I think we're all it's fair to say figuring kind of wrapping our brains around all of this and Thinking about big, you know, I think I think if I can implore everyone to begin thinking about the bigger questions in regards to what we expect from Everton, what we what we emotionally need from them, I I think I think that we all could probably do with just taking a step back and just just acknowledging the lack of control we have over this and, and just kind of seeing what happens. But I, I get that it's frustrating. You guys know I'm frustrated with the direction of, of some things, but to, to that point, um, I think I'll end with this for all the talk of like, as much as I would love to have this quote, sustainable model, sustainable success, and whatever that looks like, I would trade nine mediocre seasons for one season where we win a trophy or win something, uh, you know, or accomplish something of note. And that's, that may make me some kind of, you know, mouth breathing caveman fan or whatever. But I think I'm just at the point, like a lot of you, where the lack of any tangible payoff over the last several decades. I think is finally getting to us. And I think that I think we could put up with all this a lot easier if we had had something to show for it. Um, 
And so who knows what it's going to be that finally gets us there. Um, maybe it's under a different owner. Maybe it's under, you know, a completely different set of players. I, I don't know, but however you're feeling about this right now, you're probably right. You have every right to feel how you want to right now, but, um, <laughs> we've got to find a way to stick together on this. And I'm sure we, you know, as much as it's the talk is the, it, that this is divisive, Mark, I do feel that there is a, a sense that in, in a weird, perverse way, this may unify us on some level, but you know, I guess we're, we now just wait for the announcement. And uh, I will say from a pure entertainment standpoint, that tweet is going to have some replies that should be legendary uh, unless they set the tweet to be one of those only friends of everything can reply kind of things where, you know, they, they, they avoid all that, which would be so classic Everton. Like it was so fun when we were winning those away games this season. We suddenly have like we suddenly had all of these um we suddenly had all of this, uh, you know, fun banter with the the social media manager uh, who's running the Everton account. We thought it was way cooler. Boy, that that guy seems to have disappeared into the ether lately, hasn't he? Uh, I already feel for feel feel for him at this point. So, okay, got to wrap it up, guys. Got to go back to living life. Uh, we'll see you guys again next week for more kickabout. Take care. Northern Tool and Equipment isn't just a store; it's a problem solver's paradise. Fully stocked with the right professional-grade tools and fully staffed with experts who have the right answers. Problem solved. Northern Tool and Equipment Summer Sale is on now. Stop in and save up to 50% on pressure washers, sprayers, generators, fans, lawn and garden equipment, and more. Hundreds of deals in-store or at northerntool.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.